0: Welcome to the Virtually Inspired Podcast, powered by Drexel University Online, where we showcase innovations in online learning and talk to the most inspiring leaders in online education. Welcome to today's podcast. For our guest today, we have Rosie Ching, who is a senior lecturer at Singapore Management University. We're very excited to have her. Uh, She has been showcased before in one of our virtually inspired stories, CSI agent on a mission, which is customer service index. Rosie teaches statistics to undergraduates. Today, we have some questions for you. Welcome, Rosie. Thank you, Marcy. it's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you. So one of the things that we are very interested in is what motivated you to teach differently? Well, as with,
1: I, I guess, a lot of teachers, it comes from uh, in my experience as a student with my own teachers. And there, there have been a handful of very inspiring ones, one of whom I remember very clearly. And now he took um, tradition out of the classroom completely. And everything that came from him was completely personal and very with a very caring touch. It was completely customized to all of us. And I, when I began teaching, I unconsciously took everything that was already in me from him and from the other teachers, including those of my parents who were both teachers, into the classroom with my students. And I, it, it became like that. I can't explain it in so many words, but it became natural for me to do things differently and not to conform to um, to the traditional way of classroom teaching
0: so you created a game to really engage your students that was one of your methodologies that you used for teaching after you yep. decided to use gamification to engage your students how did you proceed well i drew
1: out the game on paper and was a very messy messily outlined uh, initial draft and I then brought it to the Center for Teaching Excellence here at the University. When they heard it, they were open to the idea of me developing it further. And I knew someone very well, very closely, whom I had been in touch with for um, at least one or two decades. And I knew that she had her own graphic design company. She's not a game designer, um, but she can design very well. So with all the pictures in my head, I sat down with her and together we thrashed out the whole um design of the game the idea and all the statistics behind it that I needed uh in the form of an animation movie kind of and together we worked with we we spent the better part of one and a half years working on it until it rolled out the very first draft of the game on flash yeah so that, that's how it began and uh, I was blessed to have the support of the CTE monetarily and as, as, well as, uh, as well as for future versions of the game, which I'm currently working on.
0: Nice. There is a
1: current, current version that I'm working on now with the same designer with brand new countries. As you know, the original version has seven countries, seven stops in which the students have to complete with their own passports. And this new one has been in the works for the last one and a half years again, so it's due to roll next August, and it's going to include three new countries with brand new statistics and randomization of options and more on a brand new platform.
0: Nice, nice. So you did not have any expertise in game design yourself?
1: No, not prior to that, no. Yes, so it was a
0: very great learning experience for all of us. And the Center for Teaching Excellence is the group that, did they provide a game designer?
1: Uh, I sought one myself, but they
0: supported me in this, yes. Mm -hmm. So you've had a tremendous response to making your game available for free download throughout the world. Besides CSI Agent on a Mission, what other ways are you engaging your students through online learning?
1: Well, I I began this video menu of my teaching back in 2013 when inadvertently there was a last-minute meeting call at the same time as a slot in which I had promised to be with my students in. And I couldn't be in two places at the same time. So I decided to cut myself into two. What I did was um, I made a bargain with the office that I will be there for the first half and I wouldn't be there for the second half. But for the first half, in which I was there at the meeting, I well, I had to be virtually present with the students somehow. So I whipped out my camera and I recorded myself as as though I were in a class with them, and I quickly uh, edited it and formatted it such that it would be watchable online, and I uploaded it to uh, uh, my domain online, and and I sent the link to I sent the link to them that very day. And I told them, so this is for the first half, and I will come down for the second half. And when I did, at the end of that particular session, they one and all told me that the link to which, which I had sent to them was fantastic because, because it covered everything that I wanted to tell them in the first half. And they asked for more as time went on. And that's how I gradually developed the whole video menu. So regardless of whether a student is or isn't in class for the first, at least the first hour of class, they can easily catch up or prepare for the lesson beforehand. And that has led to what the students call a flipped classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, um, To be very honest, I had never heard of that term before, but they had, you see. So with this video learning movement that began quite out of the blue, um, it's something that the students can can be in tandem with, with the course, even though they may not be physically present in class. And that's something that I think I've been constantly working on and renewing and revamping. I do it solo. So uh, uh, it's a massive effort every single time, but it's worthwhile for the students. That's one. Another one is where I, um, I send the students out on projects uh, with real companies and um, well, their results are captured online as well. So they're able to follow uh, graphically at least, the results of their data analysis. So this is some form of, of online learning because it's they who create the statistics. And using software, we, uh, well, we create web pages in certain tabs online. And then I buy the domain and then it's there. So, so far we've had the links toiletstatistics.com which quantifies toilet cleanliness around the whole of Singapore. And we've also had Dispatchstatistics.com which is all about the end of life index, the attitudes of Singaporeans towards uh, end of life preparations as compared to preparations for birth of children and preparations for marriage. So this was done only this year and it was a very sensitive topic. um, They met with very hostile receptions when they uh, sought respondents but we uh, captured almost 8,000 of them. And all this is done outside of the classroom. So they don't have to be physically present when they do it. And uh, it's like they go on this journey of self-learning and self-discovery. And this is all on top of the, the game itself, the CSI game, which they also have. Just recently from August till early this month, it was all about breast cancer screening breast cancer is the top cancer killer of women in singapore it is not the top cancer killer for women worldwide but it is for singaporean women and the puzzler here is women are not taking up screening as much as they should and that's a puzzling and worrying trend And I worked with a cancer center here with the deputy medical director, who's a specialist and oncologist in women cancers, especially breast cancer. And the students were, oh, well, they went stomping around, pounding the streets in Singapore, um, targeting women especially. And we went by the population demographics, by race, um, by age, by religion as well. And all the statistics were captured and analyzed over the months outside of class. And it was all, um, well, it was all visualized at screeningstatistics.com. So if you visit those links, one for the toilets, toiletstatistics.com, which was done in the later part of 2016, and the end of life index, which was done this year from January to April at dispatchstatistics.com. The dispatch is spelled D-E, not D-I. And lastly, the newest one, which is screeningstatistics.com. And they have received interest from the media, especially the toilet one and the end of life one. The breast cancer one is in the works still because um, it's, it's still very new. So we're still working on the media fact sheet. And all this is for the benefit of students' learning, because they see for themselves how 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 connected they are to society and what good, how much good can be affected um, by the use of their data onto society and raise awareness of breast cancer screening. So we have this uh, video learning and we have this uh, real life tracking outside of the classroom. And uh, we have the CSI that they do uh, with their passports and and even more that's coming. It's so much that sometimes I wonder if if it's a bit of an overkill, but that's the way it goes in Singapore where we operate under very high pressure environments. Uh, Ultimately, it is um, stressful, but it is very rewarding and extremely fulfilling for everyone as, can be read from the students' comments, their letters, their cards, and the official
0: SMU feedback as well. Wonderful. So, Rosie, what do you recommend to fellow educators who want to innovate into their teaching practice?
1: I, for innovation, uh, I use my imagination a lot. And no matter how crazy an idea may seem when actually uttered or spoken, I, the crazier it is, and the more outlandish, the the more I will pursue it. For example, when I had the idea of approaching a funeral company in September last year, to quantify end-of-life attitudes, because Singapore is one of the most rapidly aging countries in the world, and our total fertility rate is well below what's needed to replace ourselves. Uh, we run the risk of being extinct if we, um, we don't look after ourselves. <laughs> and we don't reproduce and therefore the government is looking strongly into end-of-life preparations and we have this problem of lack of land Um, so we are carrying out exhumations and so on we don't have room for cemeteries anymore Um, and therefore the main mode of uh, seeing someone off is through cremation and even so there's limited space for niches in columbariums so uh, now they're proposing scattering of ashes. And in the past, it was difficult to do so. You had to rent a boat and go way out. But now they're proposing having specific places where you can go and just scatter the the ashes conveniently. And all all this was flooding the the top prime news in Singapore. Um, I had the idea of approaching a well-known funeral company in Singapore. And when I did, they invited me down to the premises. And so I went. And I asked them if it was, you know, proper, you know, if they were open to innovating the scene, you know, to um, raise awareness of the, necess- the necessity of preparing for one's end-of-life affairs, and they say, yes, definitely, but there's this taboo linked to, to it in conservative societies, and we lean towards that, um, and the timing wasn't so right when I approached the university, because they said that the new year was coming, and uh, well, Chinese New Year was coming and it wasn't uh, that appropriate a time for us to go out and ask people about such sensitive topics and that the support would not be there, so to speak. I did it anyway, so I did it on my own this time with the students, 174 of them, so together we did it on our own. Of course, we, uh, I had to caution them to be uh, well tactful and not to push it if they met with hostility and resistance. Um, this was this was proven by the statistics because they they analyzed the respondents' attitudes going from the beginning to the middle to the end of the survey, and how open they were. And it was like a downward trend from the beginning to the end. You know, they became more closed up as the interview progressed. But we did it, you see, and the statistics really spoke. So this is some form of innovation when you go against you buck the trend. Um, you just do what you believe in um, and you, you, you just do it. That, it sounds like the Nike slogan, use the imagination, um, dream, keep dreaming. If you don't have the support, uh, it's going to be a little challenging, especially when there are costs involved. So many a time I've had to um, dig into my own pockets, but I consider it well spent. Because it's all for the students' benefit, ultimately. The goal is there. Um, it is not doing a project for the sake of doing it. It is for the sake of the students' learning to benefit the world at large. And, well, our world in Singapore is pretty small, but that's where we begin. We begin small, and then we gradually grow from there. And if the students, at, in their first year, freshman year, because I teach primarily freshies, 80%, and then the other 20% consists of the sophomores all, up, all the way up to the um, seniors. Um, they find that they are, it's in them that they're able to do it with, with a little bit of you know, cajoling and pushing and encouragement. They find it in themselves that they are able to go the distance and do what they could not have imagined them doing. Uh, even a, say a few weeks before the start of the uh, project. So a lot of innovation goes into the project where they exert their creativity, they exert their communication skills, their interpersonal skills um their independence in learning because all everything is exercised and uh it's it's very re- rewarding for for them in the end and it's pretty unforgettable every single time innovation is something that's very um Well, deep seated. Um, It it involves having well, needing some courage to um, to fly in the face of tradition and social norms sometimes, and some people may regard you as a little wacky and someone who doesn't conform. But I consider it worthwhile. Yeah, the imagination is truly an instrument that defies everything. The imagination and dreams, yeah.
0: It sounds like your innovation has really had a tremendous effect on your students and on their lives and personal growth. Has it had an impact on your professional life? Yes, it has. My professional
1: life, uh, where... The workload has multiplied gazillion times and I go at full force. Um, some professors who do um, this kind of um, project with the external company, we have it here in SMU, it's called SMU X. The X stands for many things. It stands for experimental, exciting, extraordinary. To me, it stand, To me and the students, it stands for extreme and a lot of extra. (laughs) But it is, it it also stands for the unknown. Um, So there's a lot of unknowns that goes on in, for me, professionally. But that's exciting, you see, because you never know what to expect uh, when you teach such a course. It's very grey, and often there are no black and white answers, especially when you deal with an external third-party company, uh, who often have their own well, they have their own agenda. They have their own desires. They have their own goals, and you try to meet them, and they get to meet the students as well. So the profession, my professionally, it's not just with the students, but with, uh, of course, SMU as well as with external companies too. So I've, deal with, I've dealt with the uh, dealing with the CEO of the World Toilet Organization for the Toilet Cleanliness Index. Um, that. Is that was founded in Singapore, the WTO. And the CEO is a very passionate person um, who highlighted two areas in Singapore that are still in need of attention where toilets are concerned. Those are the coffee shops and hawker centres. So helping the students through this course involves dealing with those others and involves me having to exert uh, Myself professionally in different ways, because they meet the students as well. So it's a third, uh, sorry, it's a three-party collaboration. Uh, where in the past it wasn't so. There were big-scale projects, yes, but it was uh, mainly just the students and myself. But now it's it's grown to to include other people too. And I say full strength because it's so great the scope and magnitude and the depth that sometimes. Um, An instructor will ask for, say, a half load of students to teach. However, I've always um, gone for a full load. So the full load means 45 students per class, which is times 4 per term, which is a maximum of 180 students per term for me, which leads to at least, uh, or at most, 360. Sometimes I've taken 4 classes in one term, which means 225 of them in one term across 15 weeks um, that is that is something i draw a lot of energy from as well because the students are fantastic they come with a lot of energy and they are raring to go and so, um, of course not all are but so it's, it's my responsibility to uh well get them excited and ready to uh, to explore the unknown so professionally it, it, a lot of time eats into my personal time uh, a lot of sacrifice now I'm going into the personal sphere. Uh, a lot of sacrifice. Um, you, you don't see as much of your family as you wish you could. Uh, a lot of time outside of the office is needed. Um, days into nights, nights into days. You have all nighters sometimes. And uh, well, let's just say I'm still recovering from this <laughs> term. The exams ended only last week. Um, and the project still ongoing in the background because now um, it seems like some medical paper might be written on, on this and I'll have to do more research on the breast cancer and screening attitudes. Yeah.
0: Very nice. So have you had any of your students um, come back later, like upon graduation to, to um, share with you the impact that that your teaching style had had on them, similar to what your uh, mentors, teachers, or your favorite teachers previously had on you?
1: Yes, yes. Um, quite a number have gone into teaching themselves, and they've come back to me saying that, uh, you know, they, the first thing they did was to apply to teach, regardless of their discipline. Um, not everyone were, was accepted into the teaching profession, though here at the ministry of education so those who entered they they told me about how they were going to do things differently differently and uh, to have the student as their main focus and not anything else those who um, who did not sadly manage to uh, make the grade they went into ministry work and they said that as long as they dealt with people And they had an a positive. They could make a difference in lives of people. They were happy with it. Um, There were others. There are others, um, who, let's say, they attend job interviews, and they are faced. They're given like a spreadsheet to analyze and interpret on the spot. And they say it's it's such a such a such a rewarding, charming, uh, such a charm to be able to. Um, look at it and be reminded of what they did in class when they were faced with thousands of lines of data and be able to interpret on the spot. And they, they so impressed the interviewers that often they were offered the job on the spot. Um, just a few days ago, another wrote to me that saying that he's been he has won the trust of his supervisor in sales in uh, analyzing the sales spreadsheet and coming up with ideas and recommendations. It's only his first year of university. Mm -hmm. And for the graduates, I'm still in touch with them. Um, They work in banks. Um, Some fly the skies. Uh, A lot are in the financial industry. Some are teaching. And others set up their own businesses in baking and in their own passions. across the board they tell me that when they see certain trends or pictures it reminds them of the statistics and the things that they learned and that they could apply for example as as mundane as sorting t-shirts the sizes of t-shirts when they were sorting they 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 knew how to sort them uh, in terms of well in terms of a graph graphically speaking what's the shape of the graph what it should be like and so on the sizes of the shirts etc it doesn't sound like much perhaps to a layman but when they link it to they they've experienced it in class when they link it to back they, when they link it back to what they learned in class and what they were able to do in class it makes sense for them and then they come back and they tell me that uh hey Miss ching well, i was able to do this It's fantastic because had it not been for what i had with you in class i probably wouldn't have been able to do it and they have this skill of data analysis and we are a management university. So I often tell them that you can't go through a management university education without learning how to manage yourselves and manage data, which is a skill that, well, many desire that they have, but maybe didn't have the chance to, or make the most of when they were at university. Um, So when they hear this, you know, when they hear this, that. It's a management university. You have to be able to manage yourselves and manage data. It gets into them and it, it lasts, it stays with them, it sticks. It's something that nothing can um match in terms of fulfillment when uh when I
0: hear from them. Yeah. That's wonderful. So do you have this final question? Um, what do you have on the horizon? Anything exciting? Are you going to keep doing the breast cancer and take it to the next level or well?
1: The next phase is the, there are many topics in my head. It's just a matter of getting them them out after enough rumination. The the toilet project was done in 2016. It was meant to be done yearly. However, I decided more time needed to be allowed in between to allow uh, the toilet operators to clean, clean up their act. And now it's coming to 2019. So the next phase will be in 2019. That's exciting because it could involve the National Environment Agency this time as well as the Ministry in charge of uh, all this. And we've been having meetings and the World Toilet Organization will be in on it as well. It will involve a relook at all the toilets in the same locations and it will be very eye-opening to be able to compare the past Toilet Cleanliness Index with current when we do it next year, soon. That's exciting. And uh, <clears throat> let's see. Besides the Toilet Cleanliness Index, um, the breast cancer one will go on in the background. Uh, I'm not a fan of repeating themes. Mm-hmm. So I always revamp and redo, just, just destroy everything and just build everything from the ground up all over again. Um, that will involve um, new themes. The, C- the new CSI, the themes were voted f- by the current students across the past three years. That They wanted confidence intervals before hypothesis test. Hypothesis test is the main feature of the current CSI across six or seven weeks of work, but the new one will involve confidence intervals, which comes before hypothesis tests and therefore, I call it the CSI prequel, because confidence intervals are taught before hypothesis tests. That's going to be really exciting because it's going to be, um, um, it will involve photographs from my own travels to those lands. And the countries will remain confidential until I tell the students, the first batch of students in 2019 what they are. Yeah, that, that's going to be really something. The CSI prequel, it's going to be mobile friendly as well as um, plus the new toilet project phase two and the breast cancer work in the background i've got other things going on in my head right now which are a little too crazy to talk about
0: (laughs) that sounds exciting rosie um i can't wait to hear what's going to happen and to see the new csi agent on a mission game the prequel when it comes out in august That's very exciting. Thank you for being with us today and for um, just taking the time to share with the fellow educators and hopefully inspire them to be more creative in their own teaching style. Thank you, Marcy, it's been my pleasure. I really appreciate it. It's been my honor to share
1: with you and everyone.
0: You've been listening to the Virtually Inspired Podcast powered by Drexel University Online. To learn more, visit virtuallyinspired.org.